The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, Brian Broaddus, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, season 18, episode number 115. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're presented by Miller Lite, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. We don't have two of our folks in with us today. Nick Eatman, Brian brought us both. Uh, actually, Nick's heading to Super Bowl right now. Brian's already at Super Bowl, so they got things they're doing out in Arizona. Uh, we are blessed, though, today to have my guy in with us. Patrick Nosey Walker from Talking Cowboys gets a chance to see how the real big dogs do it. <laughs> yes, and, uh, I so do we, that every time I want to Talking Cowboys. We give you a chance to come over here and, and maybe, and as I was explaining before we went on the air, I don't know, you and Amber sit close to each other, so you might already know this, but on the air, man, she's a whole different person on the air. She can get a little feisty. Sometimes we have to settle her down a little bit. Oh, so, so. she's the exact same person oh, so it's the same. on okay. and off. Oh, good, perfect. Okay, okay. good. Oh. Good. So uh, it won't be a surprise. <laughs> it will not be a surprise then yeah, uh, when she starts kind of giving her full full opinions on the, this team. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, today what we typically do this time of the year. It's the show where we start trying to figure out how do we fix whatever is wrong. Uh, Cowboys... Although they had, in my opinion, what I would consider to be somewhat of a successful season, going 12-5, and getting the playoffs, getting a playoff win, still didn't get over that hump that everybody wants them to get over. And so now the question becomes, Mike McCarthy, how do you get over that hump? you got a team that we feel like has a good amount of talent. How do we get them over that hump uh, to get them to that next level, to get them to that championship game, possibly get them to that Super Bowl, uh, and ultimately winning a Super Bowl that's what we're going to start talking about today. Before we get there, though, I want to start with uh, Brian Schottenheimer. Cowboys announced mm-hmm. this week that Brian Schottenheimer has been hired as a new offensive coordinator. I want both of you guys to tell me, what do you think this means? Obviously, we know Mike McCarthy's calling plays, but mm-hmm. what, is, what does this position mean, and, and what do you think it brings to this team? Well, for me, it, it, it means that the Cowboys – offense is going to look slightly different going into 2023 for obvious reasons, not simply because you're looking at the the, the difference between two offensive coordinators, but primarily the reason it doesn't, the promotion doesn't necessarily move the needle for me too much right or too much left is because at the end of the day, it is Mike, it is Mike McCarthy calling the plays. So I'm interested to see if Schottenheimer can bring the, what I'll call prime Brian to the equation. And the prime Brian would be, Three of the four years he was in Seattle, they had a top 10 offense. Now, granted, that was with prime Russell Wilson, but we've also seen what prime Dak can do. So if Dak can reel in the interceptions, which I believe he can because that's uncharacteristic of him, QB coach change, that could affect it as well. So if we can get prime Dak, the one who was an MVP candidate or in that conversation not two or three years ago, Schottenheimer brings over some intricacies that can help advance Mike McCarthy's Green Bay uh, play calling system. It could be something that helps the Cowboys get over the hump because, like you said, it, it was successful, 12-5, and five, 24 regular season wins over the past two years, but now they're bumping their head up against the ceiling, and that ceiling might require some changes. Well, he is a guy that, like you mentioned, he has – 
the experience. And I would assume Mike McCarthy was part of this decision. Mm-hmm. Kellen Moore was the guy that was already here. And he praised Kellen Moore a whole lot when he was coming in. He was excited to work with him. But now this is all on Mike McCarthy's like this is his decision this is what he's gonna do he's the one calling the plays I thought something that was interesting uh Will McClay he talked during the senior bowl and he did mention something you know uh with his scouts when they go out and scout talent it can be challenging sometimes when you have a different coach Mm. position coach and those moving parts because you're still trying to learn what they're looking for what are they the type of players that they're attracted to or wanting to incorporate in in the team and it, it it's interesting because this is a guy that has already been here and you still have the Mike McCarthy he's going to be calling the play so you have continuity in that aspect so i think having somebody that's not completely fully from the outside it's going to help a little bit with that transition and still help the scouts in that way to try to bring in guys that now Mike McCarthy's wanting, he's wanting, because what was his, last year he was kind of like a consultant? Yeah, consultant. he was a consultant. He was he was with the team, obviously spent a lot of time with the team. I'd kind see him on, on the plane. Kind of role. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was kind of a. But I you know, wonder consultant. how much he, he really was doing that's here the last question. year. Typically, but that's the thing. Typically for consultants, like they, what they're really doing, they're observing. Uh, if there are special projects, hey, we're looking at this team. What are your thoughts on this? Like, they're there for their expertise. They don't necessarily have a role all the time. Now that you know, we don't know exactly what he's doing, but consultants in general typically don't have a role all the time where it's like, hey, every game you're going to do this, 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 and this. It's more like, okay, well, hey, what are your thoughts on this? How would you do this? Hey, we need this extra help over here. Can you help out with this? Like, that's kind of the role I would assume typically of a, of a consultant. That's what I would assume he was doing. But here's the deal. The reason why it matters, and I think it goes to what you're saying, Amber, is that the word I keep hearing around the building is alignment. Um, I think the way that, the way that I look at this is this is just one more thing that tells me they want to get this thing all aligned, and really it's going to be aligned up to Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is ultimately going to be responsible for this offense. And so when you look at all the coaches that aren't coming back, to me, I look at it and say alignment. I'm, I think, you know, are you getting guys that are going to be completely aligned with the direction and how Mike wants to do the offense, how he wants the offense to function? Because it was kind of pieced together in a little different kind of way. Obviously, Kellen Moore was already here. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike said he was good with that. He was, he was okay with the idea that Kellen was here. And quite frankly – I'm not sure it would have necessarily changed had not, uh, you know, my personal opinion that maybe Kellen was was as much a part of that decision as the Cowboys that Kellen wanted to leave. But all that being said, I do think a lot of this has to do with alignment. If Mike's going to call the plays and Mike's going to run the offense, my suspicion is Mike's going to want guys that know what he wants, that aligns with his philosophies offensively, so that it makes it a lot easier to accomplish the things he wants to accomplish and do it quickly. He doesn't have four or five years to to figure this out. He's got to do it pretty quickly. And and for me, going back to, and I love the fact that, Amber, you you touched on what McClay said about his scouting department. The play calling style that's now about to be deployed via Mike McCarthy with in, in coordination with Brian Schottenheimer, it's going to be more of the West Coast style. So if you go back, if you look at 
some of the more successful West Coast offenses. Let's talk about the team that has now eliminated the Cowboys in two consecutive postseasons, Kyle Shanahan in that West Coast offense in San Francisco. He deploys a lot of motions, but at the base of it, it's still get the ball out quickly, depend on your playmakers, tell your playmakers to turn this four-yard catch into a 10-yard uh, overall reception. The Cowboys need to make sure they have the personnel to operate efficiently in the offense that's to come. CeeDee Lamb has proven he can be that guy. Michael Gallup went healthy, and now he'll have a complete offseason. He's now recovering from the scope on the right knee and the right ankle. For those that didn't know, that's also not the same knee in, that he tore in the ACL in. Um, but if a healthy Michael Gallup plus CeeDee Lamb, and you would have to look at free agency maybe – I know they're going to try to develop Jalen Tobert more, but they're going to go back after OBJ, see if that happens. I would love for them. I'm on the record. I want T.Y. Hilton back in the building. If you can get the right personnel, those playmakers, Jake Ferguson, we'll talk about the tight end position here shortly, Peyton Hendershot, he's a playmaker when you get the ball in his hands. You're going to have to stack your offensive weapons for Dak Prescott, those types of players that you can get the ball out quickly and then depend on them to get yak. Because this West Coast offense and any type of, kind of type of variation for it, sorry, requires yards after the catch. So make sure you have that personnel. I will say this though, and I, I want to be clear about this. Even though we think that might happen, mm-hmm. fact of the matter is we don't know how Mike's going to handle this. That's true. Mike could go into this whole thing and say, you know, I'm going to be calling plays, but I like what Kellen Moore was doing yeah, from we, an offensive yeah, philosophy standpoint, it. and we might continue to do that. Or he might say, you know, I figured out a hybrid between maybe some of the stuff Kellen's doing and some of the stuff I used to do, and now that's what we're going to do. So I I wouldn't go as far as to say it is a foregone conclusion that this will be a West Coast-style offense. What I would say is that's what Mike did before. Kellen's been doing what he's been doing. Where does this end up? Where does right. Mike, How has right. Mike evolved? Because my suspicion is Mike has evolved. Mm-hmm. He's probably not the same play caller that he was when he was in Green Bay. And by the way, he probably at that point had different person. Not probably he had different personnel at that point. He may not think that personnel fits here, or, or that philosophy fits here, that scheme fits here with with the players that he has. So we'll wait and see. And I want to. I'll be interested to see once we get to training camp right. what this offense looks like with Mike calling the plays and implementing whatever he decides to implement. And we spoke about it off off the uh, offline off the record as far as I believe that to your point, he's going to take the best. Of Kellen Moore, I don't think he's going to scrap the entire entire Kellen Moore playbook because that would be counterproductive in trying to get Dak Prescott back to prime level, right? So there has to be, to your point, Ambar, some type of continuity, not only in whom you're naming the offensive coordinator, someone who is in the building, but in the playbook as well, in the language as well. So there's going to be, for me, I believe a lot of the best of Kellen Moore that remains, but you'll see that mixed with some of the best of the Mike McCarthy, Super Bowl, Green Bay era, and then see how Schottenheimer can kind of mix in into that. Yeah, I think that's that's the really cool part. Um, and I, I hate it every year because we get to the end result that's not obtained. The, the major goal is not obtained, but and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm freaking done. But then we hit this point where we start looking at things that we're interested mm-hmm. in seeing and and possibly it sparking a new little fire in you of excitement and wanting to see because I think it is pretty cool that he has that kind of experience where you've experienced both types of offense and then you can start picking out what really works right. and then hopefully now figure out exactly how to better 
cater to a quarterback like Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I was me and me and Sunise, my wife, we were literally having this conversation two or three days ago about fandom and how you kind of mm-hmm. manage that feeling you're talking about. And I was like, you know, I've come to this conclusion. And it's not just the Cowboys. It's Texas for me because they they are the organizations mirror each other so much. Just in the fan bases, sorry to hear that. How the world looks at us versus how we look at ourselves, like all of it. It's just so, just the same thing. But I, I told my wife one of the things I figured out that that I think is a healthy perspective is I'm going to take it season by season. And what that means is by February or March of every year, I'm going to allow myself to just say I don't care about what happened in the past. I'm going to start over with this team, and we'll see where it takes me. And I'm going to get excited in the moments I get excited. Big wins will mean something to me. I will not allow myself to be like, but what's going to happen when it comes time to for the real game, like the big game? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take every season as it is and take the ride. And wherever it takes me, that's where it's going to take me. And if it ends in disappointment, I'm going to have that disappointment. I'm going to get to, to February. I'm going to tuck that away, and I'm going to move on to the next season because otherwise – it doesn't make sports fun, right? right? If you're if you're the other way, then you're like, man, what's after a while? It's like, why am I even doing this? And it kills the whole fun of sports. So I ain't doing well, it anymore. I'm not getting the, on that. That's, I just, how, that's yeah. how I'm doing it from now on. I'm not gonna allow myself that to get me last sucked year. in like that. Yeah, that was me last year. I'm like, I'm at work. This is work. Let me just yeah. stay. <laughs> we gotta do this. We gotta get through this. But then. Things start happening throughout the mm-hmm. season that you get start getting pulled back in and reeled back in. And I'm like, damn it, I hate this. But um, there's still there's always there's always something to look forward to. So well, the good news is is the Cowboys are showing progress. And granted, two things can can be true at the same time. One, they did not achieve their ultimate goal last yeah. year. That's that's a fact. What's also a fact is they made progress last year, year over year. They went 12 and 5 for two consecutive seasons, two consecutive postseason appearances, got eliminated in the wild card uh, last postseason, made it to the divisional round this postseason. Well, logic dictates that as long as you can make the necessary tweaks, at minimum, eh, maybe you should be. I mean, the next step in progress is the NFC championship, right? So that's they're trying to make the next step. The needle is is pointing in that direction. The trajectory is aimed in that direction. So that's that. Those are things to get excited about. You know that you're going to get a 100% Michael Gallup back in camp versus the Michael Gallup who is trying to return from a torn ACL in season and trying to regain his swagger on the fly, which is a much more difficult task. You know that they're going to be at least more aggressive in free agency than they have been in the past because they just showed you that. Jason Peters, Anthony Barr, you go and trade for Jonathan Hayden. But is that, is that more aggressive or is that more of what they've been willing to do? Because what they've been willing to do over the years is well, let's see, we, let's we, will, we will go out and get the guys that we can get at a time and a price that makes sense let's for say us. say a better hit rate. Let's say that. Okay, that's fair. Better hit rate because you're talking about Anthony Barr and a Jason Peters versus, let's say, a, a Gerald McCoy and a Don Terry Poe. So better hit rate. I'd say the caliber of name would be similar, respective yeah. to their off seasons that they were brought into Dallas. But the hit rate was phenomenal for the free agents that the Cowboys did bring in. And then the hit, hit rate for the 2022 NFL draft was just through the roof, Jalen Tolbert notwithstanding. But, you know, as the of young today. man. As of today. Hey, we, we, had this <laughs> we had this conversation. As of today. As of today. But ultimately, there are things to be excited about. It's yeah. not a rebuild season for the Cowboys. And now you're just looking for them to, like I said, stop bumping their head against the ceiling. Like, yeah. just, now it's time to blow the 
the roof off. All right, now it's time to fix this thing. We're going to take a, a break. When we come back, we're going to go position by position. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball, and each of these uh, these analysts are going to tell us what one thing, if they had one thing that they would fix that they think <clears throat> needs to be fixed, what would that be? What would be that focus for that position? We'll do that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. When you build, you start with the foundation. And home ownership is a foundation of a stable future. The Bank of America Community Home Ownership Commitment has helped over 34,000 people lay the groundwork so far with up to $10,000 towards your down payment or 3% of the purchase price, whichever is less. The satisfaction of owning your own place can become a reality. Visit bankofamerica.com slash homeowner to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Equal housing lender. Credit and collateral is subject to approval. Restrictions apply. This is not a commitment to lend. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. This segment is brought to you by Blockchain.com. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through each position. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball. And I want you guys to tell me, what do you think is the biggest thing that the Cowboys need to be focused on trying to fix this offseason at that position? It can be about a particular player. It can be about a contract. It can be about a player's performance. It can be how the, the, that position is being coached. Whatever it is, just about this position, if you had to line out, here's the thing I think is most important for them to work on. This is what it would be. Let's start first with the quarterback position. It always gets the most attention, and quite frankly, it should because it is probably, not probably, it is the most position in sports, most important position in sports. Right now, looking at the Cowboys and what they have and what they've done, what do you think is the most important thing they have to address this offseason? you got to get the interceptions in order. 
uh, with Dak Prescott. And, and like I mentioned earlier, those are uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic of him. If you look at the body of work that he's put on film in the NFL, and I don't know if – because he wasn't throwing these interceptions, and this is not a shot to Doug Nussmeyer. I think he did a great job. But the fact is the fact. And when John Kittner was the quarterback's coach, as one example, you didn't see Dak Prescott throwing these interceptions. What you did see was Dak Prescott find another gear and become prime Dak Prescott, MVP caliber Dak Prescott. But something happened over the past couple of years, and particularly over the back half of this past season, that the interceptions just completely ran away. Now, I think I did some quick math, and I think only, not only, but 60% of the interceptions were attributable to Dak Prescott making poor decisions and or poor throws. The other 40-ish percent were completely on his targets. Tip drill, Noah Brown, pick six, Jacksonville, Peyton Hendershot, tip drill, interception, those things. But at the quarterback position, that's a very fixable offense. So it the onus is on McCarthy and Nussmeyer, whomever they bring in as quarterbacks coach, to get that get in the lab with Dak Prescott this offseason, making sure that his decision-making is back to where it was and he's not playing hero ball. I think he was pressing a lot on the back end of last season, and that led to some of those ill-advised decisions. But And I, I'm on record saying this. I also wonder what was the impact to his fractured thumb as far as his feel for the ball, how he threw the ball. Does he need to recalibrate with how his thumb might feel now? But now he has months to do that. So that's key for me. And then from there, the backup uh, conversation is, is a more robust one than mo- most are thinking about. That's going to be uh, interesting. Yeah, to me, it would be having a different voice in his ears. I think this year, hopefully, it might give me personally a better clarity on what I truly, truly think about Dak Prescott as a quarterback and where he could possibly go and and become. Um, He's a quarterback that I think has a lot of talent. We've seen him make some really, really great throws. Off the field, that's not even a question. He's the perfect guy you would ever want for your team. And he he's a great leader and all that, but through the out the like throughout his career there have been moments where it's like okay, well he still needs growth. Well, the O-line needs to improve. Well, the running game needs to work out and create that type of balance for him. Well, you got a receiver by committee, it's not really working out, we'll figure out the receiver. So it's there's always been something. And I think that this year, and obviously I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about receivers, that's another issue there. And like everything else, uh, mm-hmm. okay, now that I start thinking, <laughs> there's a lot of issues everywhere again. But my biggest thing with him this year would be to see if, if he does improve in it, just by having a different voice that's other, like, other than Kellen Moore because that's who he's had this whole time. And under Jason Garrett, I think that just bringing a different – just to see how his game actually changes, a different perspective from someone that is maybe watching from the outside and seeing just a different view. You know, you it helps being out of the room sometimes and just building, creating your own thoughts and evaluation. So – to me, that's um, something that it's already maybe in the works with just having Brian coming in, and he's a different guy, although not so much. And then the backup position for quarterback, mm. uh, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I mean, Cooper Rush, he's becoming a free agent, and Jerry Jones, he's mentioned it already as far as like the draft, that they're hoping to draft a quarterback every year. So we'll see how that works out as well. But I'm curious to see what happens and who would be the guy behind Dak. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens. And quite frankly, 
that to me is probably the bigger thing I'm concerned about this offseason is that is the backup because let's be honest, Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. And I think there's what what gets confused in in some of the commentary around Dak after that final game is people confuse criticism of Dak in that game with Dak's not a good quarterback. Correct. It, Dak had a bad game. I don't think yeah. Dak played according to his standard. And like, we'd be doing him a disservice that. if we didn't point right. it out. That, and that, that, I think he was clear about that. I think the difference is that doesn't mean Dak isn't your quarterback of the future. That doesn't mean that Dak isn't as good as, what, 75, 80% mm-hmm. of the quarterbacks in the NFL. He is up there in that top 10. I don't care what anybody says. I feel I am a firm believer Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League, and you don't let those kinds of guys walk, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be here. So that being said, it's not so much and, – and quite frankly, I think the problems when you start talking about particularly interceptions, I think you hit it on the head. That is not a traditional problem for Dak. No, it is not. Dak is not – that's an aberration. So I look at this season as an aberration. I think the problems he was having at – we had a quarterback with interceptions were way more about the surrounding cast. And so when we start getting to some of these other positions, I think mm-hmm. that's where the conversations have to be focused on to fix that part of the Cowboys. It's not so much Dak. I think the backup quarterback becomes very, very important because if Dak is going to be the quarterback that I want him to be uh, from the standpoint of what he's going to provide this this team, it means he's going to have to run, which means there is some risk, which Mm -hmm. means the backup quarterback is even more important. So for me, that's where I'm focused right now. Like, who's going to be that backup guy that if I lose Dak for two or three games – uh, because I'm asking Dak to be give me more of that dynamic mm-hmm. quarterback. The quarterback we see in the Super Bowl right now, Dak can be that kind of guy. Jalen Hurts, he can be that kind of guy. Um, if I'm asking him to be that, then i got to have a suitable backup that if I lose Dak for a few games, just like this season, we don't miss a beat. We still have a way that we can we can win effectively. And I'm speaking as the coach. We still have a way we can win effectively. So the backup quarterback is probably yeah. the biggest question I have at quarterback right now. I'm 100% there with you um, on DallasCowboys.com for those that haven't followed the series. We have an offseason series that began called, called What's Next? And we address every single position. And on Monday, I spoke about the quarterbacks. And, of course, I touched on the interceptions needed to be improved and, and how they could probably go about that. But mo- most of that write-up was about the backup quarterback position because as much as from a macro standpoint – I 100% agree. Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback. You don't have no one has the numbers to disprove that to me. You don't have the film to disprove it. He has bad games, so does Patrick Mahomes, so does any of those top guys you're going to name. But he's had a running with bad luck when it comes to injuries lately. He's not injury prone. Let's make that distinction. He's not injury prone, but he has missed some time over the past couple of seasons. And when that happens, now you the onus is on you to make sure that you have a capable backup quarterback. You've seen that Cooper Rush can do that, but he's going into free agency with fairly high value. I think it's inarguable that Cooper Rush is going into free agency this time with the highest stock he's ever seen in the NFL. He he's he's better than – I'll put it like this. Cooper Rush is better than pro, at least – five to eight NFL starting quarterbacks from last season. Right. And so now when you put that into the equation, that means he's going to get some some pretty healthy offers. Okay. The Cowboys tie that into the fact that the Cowboys were witnessing Will Greer really challenge Cooper Rush in training camp. There were times where we had these discussions. Will Greer took the lead for the role of QB two, but then suffered the groin injury that Mm -hmm. slowed him monumentally in the preseason and then Cooper Rush kind of got bumped back up. So can a healthy Will Greer really be your QB two if you let let if you and Cooper rush part ways because free agency is a two way street? Yeah. Um, but then what 
at what round do you go with your quarterback? Jerry Jones said definitively Cowboys are going to start drafting every year, but are we talking a flyer, sixth, seventh, or are you willing to go a little bit higher than a flyer, fifth, which makes it a little bit more of a mix between developmental versus plus someone who might be ready to step in quickly? That is the more robust conversation at that position. I'll be honest with you. The fact is when you start talking about quarterbacks and drafting quarterbacks, I wouldn't expect – it's an aberration Mm -hmm. to expect a quarterback, even sometimes a first-round quarterback. But certainly when you're talking about fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, third-round quarterbacks being capable of stepping in and playing a role in year one. That just – it doesn't happen enough for me to rely on that. So the way I look at this is Cowboys' backup quarterback position is about Cooper Rush and Will Greer. And and one of those two is going to have to be there in that spot. And Will, if it's Will Greer, I agree with you. I I personally thought at going into last when they were about to make cuts, I was thinking Will Greer was probably going to be the mm-hmm. two. But for that injury, I think he would have been. But uh, but that all being said, I think it's ha- it has to be one of those two. You draft somebody, they become the third guy, and you're developing them in hopes that they can turn into Cooper Rush. But Cooper Rush wasn't going to be able to do what Cooper Rush did this year, right. his rookie year. That just There's a reason why you either go undrafted or you're drafted late in, and at the quarterback position, even drafted as, as early as the third, fourth, fifth round. Typically, that means you're not ready right now. And also, not to take away from Cooper Rush, because I, we gave him his roses uh, because they were due, but in his rookie year, he didn't have the defense that he had mm-hmm. at complimenting him in 2022. So, and for those that have may have forgotten, I love that you point out that the, the odds of a fourth or even a third round or later quarterback being able to step in immediately and make an impact, they are very, very low, very yeah. low. But I think people have forgotten that Dak Prescott did exactly that. Yeah, but, makes but it, no, no, I'm not saying that right. he's the norm. I'm saying that makes him that much more special in what yeah. he's been able to achieve. So between that and what he's put on film as a as a macro, you can dissect the micro all day long. But as a macro, that is a special guy. That's a leader, and like you said, off the field, Ambar, he he's above reproach. Like he's just bulletproof off the field. Well, looking back at well, his contract, we know that's the conversation right now, and and extending him will create a lot more space and and help you with what yeah what you do this year especially in free agency and all that where do you think his position stands now because we know how long it took last time when they were working out a deal together and him wanting certain things the Cowboys another finally they obviously made it work but do you think like now the Cowboys have the upper hand in this whole situation as far as extending him? Honestly, I don't know if that's necessarily an upper hand kind of thing because when you do those extensions like that, it usually is a win-win. The team gets more cap space and the player gets more money. Like It tends to just work. Everybody's happy. Player's going to get more money. They're just going to space it out and and structure it differently so that the team can actually get a benefit out of that increased amount of money. And right now, let's be honest – to some degree, when you start talking about the contract with Dak, that's an old conversation in my opinion. Because at the time when they were doing the deal, and we talked about this a lot, at the time they were doing the deal, it was a huge deal. Yeah, no, it's not. It ain't it's a huge not, deal not anymore. So much. This not is not like, much. oh, we're getting our money's worth. Like, yeah. this is worth it for the amount of money you're paying and where he is. If he's a top 10 quarterback, as I think he is, you're getting a bit of a deal. Like, yeah. so you're not overpaying at this point. I mean, I, I just saw an article last week that the expectation is that. Uh, Daniel Jones is going to get $40 million. 
you're getting a deal. Yeah. Like, this is the a good is deal. The market. Right, this is a good deal. So, I, you know, I think the conversation of, of Dak's contract is a bit overplayed at this point. I think when it comes to an extension, sometimes, and I don't, I don't know how his deal is structured, but sometimes these deals have triggers in them that the player doesn't even have to sign off on. The team already built it in where they can just basically flip a switch and, and do it, and it's automatically done. Right. So I don't know if that's the case here. But my point is, in most of these kind of situations where you're doing those extensions and that kind of stuff, it really is just a win-win. The player's going to get more money, the team's going to get more cap space, and everybody's like, yeah, let's do this because it makes sense for everybody. Yeah, and I agree. I don't think this is a, a negotiating uh, or negotiation as much as it is just common sense, right? Common sense says that if you um, if you extend Dak Prescott right now, you'll save over $25 million against uh, toward your cap. Um, common sense says that he's a top 10 quarterback, and those are those don't fall off trees every day. Uh, so when you approach Dak Prescott with the conversation, you say, hey, we want you around. We know you want to be around. Here's why it makes sense for us. It obviously makes sense for you. You're rooted in Dallas. We're continuing to build the team around you, the changes that we're making in the coaching ranks, so forth and so on. You see us making these moves to try to take this next step, and we believe you're at the heart of it all. I, I think it's a fairly easy conversation completely non-contentious there's not much to discuss as far as value goes because now the Cowboys know his value and like you said Daniel Jones he's about to potentially average 40 million a year so that's not even a conversation anymore give him a little bit of a pay bump to make it at least respectable against what the market will look like over the next two or three years so that you don't have to revisit it again in two years because now he's potentially underpaid depending on how the Cowboys and he perform Um, but I think it's a much easier conversation to be had right now all right let's go ahead and take uh, our final break we'll come back we'll jump to the running back position there's so many areas we can go with this I'll be interested to see what you guys think is the most important one we'll be back DallasCowboys.com radio the season is finally here for months we've been gearing up to win Now it's time for the team that performs on any field, United Ag and Turf. With John Deere zero turns for mowing, compact tractors for loading, mini excavators for digging, Gator utility vehicles for hauling, implements for grading, hay tools for baling, United Ag and Turf for winning. The official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com for more. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Little sweet! Did you get to work on time? Yeah, but I just realized it's Sunday. Little sweet says head on home. Dr. Pepper's on its way. So sweet, unique. Baby, there's nothing better. I bet you've probably done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Did you invest your nest egg in an NFT? Yeah, and I don't even know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. Everyone's done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. When you build, you start with the foundation. And home ownership is a foundation of a stable future. The Bank of America Community Home Ownership Commitment has helped over 34,000 people lay the groundwork so far with up to $10,000 towards your down payment or 3% of the purchase price, whichever is less. The satisfaction of owning your own place can become a reality. Visit bankofamerica.com slash homeowner to learn more. What would you like the power to do? 
Bank of America NA equal housing lender credit and collateral is subject to approval restrictions apply this is not a commitment to lend back to the break Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. It's Super Bowl week, so before we end the show today, I'm going to nail these guys down on their predictions for the Super Bowl. I have two questions for them. One, who do you want to win, and who do you think will win? (laughs) We'll do both of those here in the final segment before we end today's show. Let's uh, finish our conversation. No, I I guess not even finish it. We're going to be doing this for quite a few weeks going through these positions because y'all talk a lot, so we didn't get (laughs) – it took us too long to get through quarterback. We might get through running back. Uh, but let's start Jeez, with the running Patrick, back. Patrick, trim it down. <laughs> let's talk about the Is running that back. How position. we feel? Let's talk about the running back. <laughs> position. Um, it, right now, obviously, the Cowboys got got a lot to consider at running back. They got an aging running back who has been the main guy for a number of years, who finally has gotten to a point in his contract where the Cowboys could make a move. You've got a guy who has been the backup, who this year I think has supplanted the starter. And by the end of the year, he was playing as though he were the starter. The Cowboys were using him in that way in a lot of games. Um, and, and, by the way, he's a free agent. So there's a lot of things to consider here. What do you think is the biggest focus for the Cowboys at the running back position this offseason? I think they're going to try to keep the band together between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. They they want Zeke. They, they love Zeke and justifiably so. The impact of Zeke both on and off the field, particularly in the locker room. He's one of the locker room leaders as well. I mean, it's, it's difficult to quantify um, the value of Ezekiel Elliott. And kudos to him, the maturity that has been exhibited. This version of Ezekiel Elliott versus the 2016 version, those are two completely different Which, humans. by the way, I say this all the time, but I'll say it again. Any one of us, mm-hmm. and I'm talking anybody in this room or outside this room, all the listeners, Think about yourself when you were 21 and think about yourself when you were 27, 28, 29. Different human being. You are a different person. Allow people to learn and grow. And he has. And he has. He has. But but you got to allow that growth. You got to allow that growth. Because not every. Also true. Not everyone does. Yeah, and not everybody um, does at that rate too. Some people yeah. it takes them more like yeah, thirty five before they yeah. get there, right? He flipped the switch. Yeah, really but he has fast. some he has some hard knocks that helped him flip that switch pretty fast. But I think the, the I think sure, is, yeah. and I'm, I'm on record as saying this, and I'm not speaking for Ezekiel Elliott. I'm speaking about Ezekiel Elliott. When I've said time and again, I believe that he would be amicable to taking a pay cut if that pay cut were, were used to keep Tony Pollard in the building. I think he and Tony Pollard both understand that together they extend each other's careers. So. That's a talking point when you approach Tony Pollard for the contract negotiation. And ultimately, if you feel like there's not enough traction with Tony Pollard, just slap him with the franchise tag. It's only $10 million. You paid Dalton Schultz more than that, 800000 more than that. It was 10.9 for tight end last year, 10.1 for running back. Franchise tag him. Um, hopefully get a pay cut on Ezekiel Elliott to lessen your hit at the position and then continue to develop Malik Davis behind them who might be really in play for next offseason depending on how things go with the Zeke and Tony Pollard but yeah I think you just keep the band together yeah uh I freaking I, I love both of them and yeah. I really really love Zeke uh and just everything that you mentioned I don't need to repeat any of that but part of me and that's ideally what I would want to see happening just keeping them together But then part of me also sees the way that they were able to develop a guy like Malik Davis and the way that we hear it every single year, how quote unquote easy it is to draft a running back and plug in the player, fresh legs, young guy, have that kind of speed and new energy Mm -hmm. bringing into to the team. So seeing how successful 
those three running backs were. And even Malik Davis, he didn't play that whole lot. But when he did, he showed you the things that he can do. It leads me to think that possibly we will part ways with one of them, either Zeke or Pollard. I don't... I, I could see where they don't keep both. They keep maybe one. And then Malik Davis is still here. And then you draft and bring in some other new guy. Uh, I think could possibly be the way of their thinking. But, yeah, like I said, it's just hard to say goodbye. But it's the reality of the business. I don't – there's some other positions that I feel they would seem maybe more valuable as far as addressing – through free agency and spending that kind of money rather than a running back. Yeah, I I personally, I I look at that. I I agree with a lot of that, Amber. I I really think they've got to get younger at the the running back position. And what I mean by that is, again, in a league where we've seen it over and over and over again, it is the easiest position to turn over. It is the position where guys consistently can come into the league. We were talking about the quarterback position where it takes a little bit of time. Running back seems to be the position where you can get immediate impact from guys immediate out of, immediately out of college. And and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm not a big – I usually am not the guy that's touting Texas players as guys I that I want that I want Cowboys to take <laughs> I because knew this was I'm harder on them than I am on other players around the country, mainly because I've seen them play every one of their games. Go ahead and say it. But Bijan Robinson – There it is. Let's be honest. Like If Bijan Robinson is sitting there at 26, quite frankly – and I know this is going to turn some heads because people are going to say, for a running back, if Bijan is there at 21 or 22, I would be looking at ways I could get up there to get him. Because when I tell you this guy is one of those special running backs, and I think I've always been clear, too, I don't love the idea of giving second contracts to running backs just because it's a position, and positional value says you can you can turn it over pretty easily, relatively speaking. But... Looking at how this guy plays, he is one of those guys that has that ability. He has traits that are that are more generational running back type traits. Like he has the kind of traits of a Barry Sanders, which for some of those out there listening may not that may not really ring well for you because that was in my childhood and early adulthood. But when I say that, I mean he is the kind of guy that I saw him do it multiple times at Texas. The offensive line in Texas was not very good. Um, and this year was better than it's been in past years. There were a number of times I saw this man get to the hole. There was no hole. He should have been tackling the backfield. He turns it into a seven-yard gain. He has that ab- ability with no space and and relatively poor blocking to be able to make guys miss and turn something into what should have been a loss. And that's the kind of guy that I'm like, if you have an offensive line that's a little in flux, which the Cowboys are kind of they're, – they're young. They're a young offensive line. He will make this offensive line look really, really good. And, and that's what I saw. That was probably the most deficient thing that I would say about Zeke. I don't think Zeke has – or has really shown that ability here over the last year of when things are all clogged up, can he make guys miss and turn it into something? Is he more like younger version Zeke or more like a Tony Pollard now? Honestly, you, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, his traits are better than either one of them at this point in their career coming out of. of and by the way, Zeke was a big time player coming out of college. He yeah, was a yeah. big time college oh, player. Yeah. Bijan's a different kind of back. Bijan has all of those. Like he, he's a, he's a, he can, he has power. 
He has uh, uh, speed. Like he can turn it as Zeke used to do early in his career. He can turn that that quick run that he gets a little space and now he's off for a 40, 50 yard touchdown. He has that. Um, he can lower his shoulder and go through. Like he has all. He can catch out of the backfield. You can line him up at wide receiver. He can catch. Like he can do pretty much all of those things from a trait standpoint. Now, obviously, going to the NFL. There will be things that you have to measure as far as whether it actually ends up being that kind of player on the NFL level. But I will tell you, watching him play every single down in college, this man is special. Uh, and if I'm the Cowboys, now you, you have to make some decisions before you get to draft. Correct. But if if I have a chance, if I'm the Cowboys and I have a chance to get B. John Robinson on my team, I'm doing it. The, the problem I have <laughs> with it is, is not, obviously not with the player. B. John is, is an absolute horse and for my money, he should have been in the Heisman conversation. The only reason he wasn't was because of how the team as a whole in Texas went. Um, so I, I'm right there with you. All the praise and credit to to what B. John Robinson is and can possibly be at the NFL level. But when you start looking at some of these other positions of need, um, and, and granted, this conversation changes as we get closer to the last weekend in April because then we'll have a better idea of what they did or did not do in free agency, the Cowboys, I mean. So the conversation could change then, but Let's say all things being as they are right now, I would be wholly uncomfortable with selecting a running back in the first round when you don't know what you're doing at cornerback yet, right? So you know what you got in Deron Bland. You know what you got in Trevon Diggs, whose contract negotiations are coming up here soon, by the way. So you kind of got to get some, not only someone to compliment him, but maybe someone who can be insurance in case those things don't go well. We'll see how it goes. But Anthony Brown is an unrestricted free agent who's also coming off of a major injury. Jordan Lewis will be back in the building. That'll be wonderful as he's healthy. But it, it appears Kelvin Joseph is not the answer there. You like the needle pointing up on Sean Wright. You like the needle pointing up on Israel Mukwamu. But these are still very young guys who still need more development before they can show you that they're definitively CB2 opposite Trevon Dix. And that's just one position. Lion Becker, are you going to be able to keep Leighton Vander Esch? Or, or, and are you or are you not bringing back Anthony Barr? But then are you ready to unleash Damone Clark? Unleash Damone Clark. Yeah. Unleash Damone Clark. Again. Unleash Damone Clark. Thank you. Um, but my overarching point is these other positions are of such a high need and you don't currently have resolutions to them as much as you have at the running back position if you just kept that band well, together. That's that's great to say. But I think there are lots of challenges to that from a standpoint of you don't like, are you going to franchise Tony Pollard? If you're going to do that, great. You can control his rights. Great. But if you're not, then you can't control that. Right. Um, and, and, and I'll say this, too. I, I get your point, but I do think at certain positions, if you have a good enough player, like a transit, like a trend, a, a generational type player, mm-hmm. you can change how effective other positions you feel are. And I, th- I do. I think be- it's, it's like when they got Michael Parsons. Mm-hmm. The reason why this defense took that big jump, yeah, they brought in a lot of different players and, and pieces that all fit. But when you got a player like Micah, teams have to address you differently, which means a guy whose who's deficiencies maybe should have or could have been exploited before can't be exploited in the same way because you've got this guy you're now worried about, number 11, that affects everything mm-hmm. else. I think – Bijan may be that kind of back that may solve some of your offensive line challenges, may solve some of your wide receiver challenges, may solve some of the challenges you see when it comes to your tight ends blocking. Like there are lots of things that this guy becomes, as Nick calls him, the diaper, right? He can cover up all the stuff, right? So (laughs) when when I look at it like that, that's where I'm like, I think somebody like Bijan has that kind of ability. Now, again, 
Part of this may be I just saw him and he was so great at Texas that I'm my my glasses are two You're colored. You love you see no wrong. Yeah, maybe that's bad. it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. And <laughs> like I will count. Stetson. Look, I will count for that. Right, right. It's like your kids. Like you see your kids and like I love my kids. Like yeah. they're perfect. Yeah, but, but so it might be some of that. I get it. I'm just telling you, this guy has some rare, rare traits, rare abilities that I think can fit for this team and give this team some dynamic ability that I don't know that they have right now. I love Tony Pollard's game. I don't think Tony Pollard necessarily has the elusiveness that this guy has. Like, this guy does some things that are just like, I, I, I literally watch some plays and be like, I got to rewatch that. Like, how did he get mm, out of this? Yeah. And he got out of the situation he was in and turned it into seven, eight yards. It's it's amazing. Well, basically, you're telling me he's not going to be there in the 20s anyway. They, well, honestly, yeah, that's, I, that's I honestly don't think. Him. I think he's probably going to get picked a lot earlier than yeah. that. I think he's going to go to the combine. He's going to dazzle everybody. Top 15. And I think I think he's. I actually think there's a chance he might get into the top 10. Yeah. All I'm saying is it if. would be a steal if he gets into the 20s even if you have to give up a little bit to get up a few spots, it would be a steal, in my opinion. At Even at the running back position, knowing that there's so much value out there as far as running backs and where you can get them, I still think this guy is special. And for special guys, I don't care what the position is, you take that that extra chance. Well, the good news for the Cowboys is, be it for Bijan or, or whatever other player they might have an eye on, they are so flush with draft picks this, this uh, coming April that they can move up in any round easily and still have a, a come away with a ton of guys entering the building as rookies. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't move talk about helping your quarterback. Give him a running back that can make things happen like that, because now the, the defense is going to really have to think very hard about how many how many resources are you going to really dedicate to C.D. Lamb when you got this guy out of the backfield that can make a guy miss pretty easily. Oh, Derek, I'm just looking at there's the a lot to think about because man. of cornerback. You, you know, you lost in Green Bay because of cornerback. Yeah, you lost I, in Jacksonville because of uh, – I wouldn't say Yeah. That. I wouldn't say that. Now, I, but, I, but I think there were some things that happened in that game that were more about injury, that were about who was out there at that, at that particular time. At the end of the day, if you ran this defense back another year, as it is currently constructed, you would be fine on defense. You'd be fair. You would, could, would, would you, you could go to a Super Bowl with this defense would, as it is. Would you say it's fair to say that the Cowboys lost in Jacksonville because of – the cornerback position. Think about the fact it was, that fourteen it was a part points of it. came off of. It was a part of it. Yes, it was a part of it. It was a part of it. So yeah, it certainly was a part of. It. Those but, types but that, of things came off forefront. But that's that's nice to say. But again, once again, that was one game. Every you look at the two Super Bowl teams, I guarantee you they can point somewhere and say, "Yeah, we lost that game because yeah. of this." Like I don't think that necessarily means it is a big overarching problem. I look at the cornerbacks, and I look at it and say, I am I am firmly convinced that Deron Bland, and we're way over on defense. We're not supposed to be here. You just know you're not coming back. So, But Deron, I look at Deron Bland, and I'm like, Deron Bland is every bit good enough to be your CB2. I don't have any questions about that sure. anymore. Not, I don't have a single question. So if I got my two top corners and I feel really good about them, which I do, then to me, cornerback is, yes, it's something I got to address because I want some depth. I need to make sure I got guys in case somebody goes down. But that's not a, as big a problem as trying to get a, a player that I think can change my whole team. Like a running back that's good enough to make my whole team better. That's my point. I got Dan Quinn back. On so the it don't matter so who the players I, are? I trust. Uh, yeah. It still matters. But I see what you no, I, trust Dan Quinn with everything. Yeah. And no you got to, again, <laughs> no I think it, it came down to like all the, the injuries and all of that, but with the off season and just 
recruiting more people and coming in. And like Derek said, we'll talk about that later. But I, I was I'm, trying to I'm get my worried about the yeah. offense. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, I ain't going to be back. So yeah, I, had, I, had, I, had to, yeah. I had to fire that shot. I had to <laughs> fire right. that shot. Real quick before we end the show, I need to get some predictions from you guys. Mm. Super Bowl, you got the Eagles, you got the Chiefs. Who do you want to win? Who do you think will win? Let's start with you, Amber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, if I, if you ever hear me say the Eagles, that I picked the Eagles to win any game, mm-hmm. the, please slap me in the face. Um, yeah, that's my easy answer. Both? The 49ers, both, yes. So wait, the, you're saying you, you want the Chiefs to win and you think the Chiefs will win? I am not going to say I think the Eagles are going to win. <laughs> okay. I, okay, I don't want to hear it from the fan base. So, anyways, uh, regardless of what happened, and I did, I'm still thinking, I came out of that game, the loss against the Niners, thinking they played dirty, and they <laughs> did. They were There were some plays in there that I just came with a very distasteful, like, bad taste in my mouth, just some of the things that I saw. So just in general, it, that kind of left me a little pissed off about that. But i still rather them win than the Eagles. They do have a lot of talent, and I hate it. I hate that <laughs> they're so well built right now. And we were talking about the draft and kind of what they got for this year as well to kind of keep adding to what they already have. Uh, but I, I'd rather see, yeah. Them. <laughs> All the way around, Chiefs for you. Um, yes. Okay. I'd rather see. Mahomes holding a trophy, then the <laughs> Eagles celebrating, or Kevin Hart going at it. I already <laughs> see Kevin Hart posting around. Um, but yeah, Mahomes winning. I like. I really do. I like Mahomes mm. a lot, and and he's a very talented player. So I'd rather see him get another win. All right. No see. So, so for me, I mean, you guys know me well. I'm going to say whatever I need to say regardless of what the fan-based reaction is going to be to it. But uh, subjectively speaking, um, injuries aside, because I don't ever wish injuries on anyone or any team, um, but as far as the standings goes, I wish nothing but the worst on the Philadelphia Eagles. I want them to lose every game forever, ever, 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 ever. So it's it's easy money for me to sit here and say I want the Chiefs to win. I want the Chiefs to blow the doors off of them because if that happens, then it then the narrative becomes should the Eagles have been there in the first place. And that's a conversation I would just love to sit back and watch. Yeah, that'd right? be fun. That'd be watch. That'd be fun to watch. Objectively speaking, this is going to be a close one, um, but I think that the Chiefs are better in spots that will help them win this game. I think that bottling up Jalen Hurts is difficult to do, but the Eagles' defensive line, and particularly at the edge, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, they have the ability to keep him in the pocket and force him to make the plays down the field. Granted, you got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith down the field, um, but I love what I've seen from some of their younger guys. Hell, some of their younger guys were the reason that they were able to advance to this point. They made the big plays when they needed to make them uh, in the AFC Championship. So, And then at the end of the day, now you start thinking about Andy Reid's mind versus Nick Sirianni's mind. Andy Reid, greater than, greater than, greater than, greater than Nick Sirianni. Talk about a coach I do not want to see win either. Oh, my God. Fair enough. Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position. Is that even a conversation? That's not to take away from what Jalen Hurts has done this season, but Patrick Mahomes is in a different stratosphere. So all in all, I want the Chiefs to win, 
badly, so badly I can taste it. Just, mm, it's right there on the tip of the tongue. <laughs> but I also believe that they can and will win this game. But I don't think, objectively speaking, it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be close, uh, a one-possession game until it gets to the final couple minutes. Then the Chiefs pull away a little bit. So I, on Talking Cowboys, I put it at 34-24. All right. Chiefs take the win. This one was a very, very hard one for me. Here's why I'm I'm so perplexed right now. Um, I am not like I'm I'm not a fan of the Eagles at all. Like probably of any team in the league, that's probably the team I dislike the most. The problem is personal. <laughs> like I actually really like Jalen Hurts as a as a player, as a person. I love his story, all that he went through from college all the way to the pros. I just love stories of people that are resilient, like people that just don't take no for an answer. Like they just figure out a way, even when people doubt them, mm-hmm. they figure out a way to make it happen and they still end up winning at the end of the day. I love Jalen Hurts. And in addition to that, is family involved. Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach of the Eagles, is a distant cousin of mine from my hometown. Now you gotta understand, I have a very, very small hometown. So everybody knows everybody. Everybody's related in some kind of way, right? But it's like it's a big deal in our hometown that Brian's now the quarterback coach of the Super Bowl, of a Super Bowl team. We don't have NFL players coming out of our hometown. That doesn't happen very often. Like, we, we get excited when we get one that goes to a D1 college. Like, it's, yeah. it's a big deal, right? It's a small town. And so from that standpoint, I'm like, man, I really want Brian to get a ring. I really want Jalen to get a ring. Man, I wish they would another team. <laughs> this exactly. is really, really hard. Exactly. So I'm going to be kind of split on the, the whole day. I'm going to be kind of split on who do I think I want to win. Ultimately, I think Philly's going to win. And the reason why I think they're going to win is mainly because of injuries. Right now, they the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are depleted at wide receiver. They don't know who they're going to have running out there come come game day. And and what, what I know of Patrick Mahomes is he is special. But if he don't have anybody on the other side catching balls that he can rely on other than his tight end, which his tight end is going to be there, he's going to do his thing. All world. But they're going to need some wide receiver help. If they can get some of those wide receivers out there and healthy enough to play a good game, then I think Kansas City can win. If not, then I don't think they will be. I, I think Philly just has so much talent. And specifically, they have an, a, an advantage when it comes to their pass rush versus the Kansas City tackles, where if he doesn't have the receivers that are going to be able to get open quickly – then I think it's going to create a bigger problem for them. Uh, so it, it kind of matches up a an injury weakness with a strength of Philadelphia. From that standpoint, I think Philly ends up winning this game. But I think it's going to be a close game, and uh, and we'll have to sit here Monday and talk about the Eagles being two-time world champions. Only we won't because the Chiefs are going to win. Only because Monday we won't do a show. No, also <laughs> that works. Too. Also, I all right, guys. Really hope so uh, that they win. And I don't know why earlier my brain. Just kind of took me back as if we were talking about the <laughs> the whole NFC East. I was talking. I started talking about the 49ers and all oh, that, thinking no, red. No, no. Uh, but there, you won't. I don't know how I'm gonna cope if that actually happens. And you, you know, go, be going back to hers, going going yeah. back to hers, he's a guy that aside from everything, I actually like him. I like him a lot, as, yeah. yeah, I like him as as a person, as a player, but. Anytime I see something good, and this is just so I don't build any kind mm-hmm. of emotional yeah. niceness to, to towards him. Social media, I just skip, skip, roll it through because I don't want to get attached. But uh, yeah, and it's, I can't. Just, I did. The jersey Kansas. washes it for me, and, and as a person and as a human being, I like Jalen Hurts. But once he suits up 
and he puts on that that dark green and that black. It just it's a wash for me, and it's the same for me um, across all sports. As a huge Braves fan, use Jacob Degrom for example. Loathe Jacob Degrom because he was a Met. Well, now he's in Texas. Ah. I want to go see Jacob pitch, yeah. right? So it's it's that type of dynamic. It's it's the uniform, it's the organization that I so loathe, and I want nothing but the worst for them. Well, as as I'll, know, as I also have to throw in, you, you made a lot of good points, Derek, yeah. about the strengths and weaknesses that both like the teams mm-hmm. have right now, currently heading into the Super Bowl, but. Crazy things happen sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy to me are just better than Nick Sirianni and his yeah. group. They, well, I just think they're they have some things up their sleeve. For Jalen, I'm seeing more purple and gold than I am green. So, so uh, we get, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. Shout out to the yeah, bros. yeah, yeah. There you go. Shout out there to the bros. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll see you guys uh, <laughs> next week. That's where it really lies. Exactly. Thank you for for coming, sitting in with Thanks us, Patrick. Us. It was really great having you on. We'll be back next Wednesday. I think we're gonna have our normal crew back in. Brian and and uh, Nick should be back. Maybe they have some stories from us for us from the Super Bowl. Uh, till then, for Nick, I'm sorry, not for Nick even because he's not here. Yeah. For Patrick Nosey Walker and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been the break. Live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!